What's up guys, Drake here. Just to give you a little bit of a heads up before we start today's episode, we recorded this episode before the beginning of the FSU Southern Miss baseball game, as well as before the FSU Alabama softball game. This is primarily because I start my first day of work tomorrow, so I wanted to get this episode edited, cleaned up, done, and uploaded before it got way too late. Because I'm not going to lie to you, I'm a little nervous, but I'm also very excited, but I want to make sure everything is, you know, squared away before I start tomorrow. And also... Just to be safe, too, like if we do lose today, that will make for some great Trigger Tuesday content because you do know how Max loves his rants and also how much Max loves to rant about stuff like the sport of baseball. And with that being said, though, I'm with the show and we hope you enjoy. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Drake, and today I'm joined by the ever-so-beautiful, ever-so-handsome Mr. David Wise Esquire. Davey, what's looking good looking? Looking for some uh, redemption from our baseball team, Drake. A little sad right now. Yeah, um, yeah, let's just dive right into that. Like, we, so Parker Messick pitched game one. I wouldn't have made that decision personally, you know, for myself, but like I said before, like I think we won the first game. It kind of was a, a tough draw for us to have Ole Miss the second game. Hubert actually yeah. pitched a really good game, and if it wasn't for Jackson Green's error, I think in the first inning and the second inning, we probably could have been up three to zero. So then, and then we had a, what three two game. What's, what's the kid's name with the beard? David Hare, I think is his name, the pitcher from last night that gave up the runs. Yeah, and he had the ball. I mean, he, he had the moment to get out, and then Nander Desedas from Panama. I got I have to you know give a shout out to my boy. That uh, he he overthrew to the first baseman when the guy running down the line actually was on a torn ACL. So he like Dave, what do you make of that? Because I mean, you played you played infield most of your career, so yeah, that's that's just tough to explain, tough to in in that spot especially. That I don't want to say that I hate saying one thing cost us the game, but I mean literally that cost us the game, and we were in the driver's seat. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was that one particular thing, but that definitely is going to be the most glaring thing on there because we probably could have – the way their bats were hitting and how our bullpen actually was, like, being pretty well probably did, you know, just put the nail in the coffin. I kind of want to point more to the, actually our batters because, I mean, don't get me wrong, Doug Nikhazy was their ace, so he pitched really, really well. But if you notice from, the, I think, the fifth inning on, his stuff didn't have as much zip on it and – I mean, Parker, you know, was in a group chat last night. Shout out to my shout out to our board real quick, saying that you know, like he was throwing a lot of like over the plate stuff, and he, I think he only hit yeah. ninety two times after the fifth inning because you can tell his arm was gas. He threw a hundred and what twenty four pitches. Yeah, too many. Um, and you got to capitalize on that when when a coach is leaving a pitcher out there and he's leaving stuff out over the plate. He's slowing down. He's you know getting up in the pitch count. You got to capitalize on that and. We've always said with this team, the biggest concern going into postseason play was going to be the bats. And look, they did enough, I think, probably that we could have won that game last night. Uh, But we did not capitalize, like you said, on the late game exhaustion of that pitcher. And it's not only the capitalization. It just looked like our bats were one of the big things I remember my dad used to harp to me when I was a kid growing up was never, ever, you know, go up there, you know, looking at a strike. Basically, yeah. don't never ever leave the bat on your shoulder. I'm pretty sure your dad told you the same damn thing. And I felt yep. the, the lack of aggression for just from our entire line from top to bottom, aside from being Matt Nelson and uh who's and um who was the kid that hit the bomb yesterday? Was it Cabell or was it Lane? Uh remember? 
I don't recall. Um, but I will tell you what you're talking about right now is a hallmark of the Mike Martin school of how to play baseball, but never win a championship, which is take pitches, run up the pitch count, have extended at bats. And like, look, that can be effective at times, but I, like you was taught, don't leave the bat on your shoulder when the pitch is just throwing something out there, knowing you're going to do that to get something over the plate. Yeah. And that's the one thing, like if I have you, I played catcher for a lot of the time, but you play catcher at third. If I have you in an O2 count, I'm going to tell my pitcher to just throw you a bunch of junk. Cause like you're now in mine and my pitcher's world. I am not going to give you anything even remotely closer to the plate for those first two pitches. Now I get being patient and having good play discipline at the plate. That's definitely something yeah. you know that you need, need to work on, but that's different bit from being absolutely lack of aggression. So yeah, I'm like, that was such a winnable game. Like I'm not, angry about it i think disappointed and frustrated i think are better words to turn that from yesterday well it just makes the road so much harder now now we have to win another elimination game every game we play now is an elimination game in the regionals uh so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to win again against what is it the, is it the text messages the tech who the tech who the text messages <laughs> south of southeast missouri state or whatever it is mississippi state um <laughs> But we're gonna have to beat we're gonna have to be one of them, and then we're gonna have to beat Ole Miss twice. And we should have, I mean, if we make it that far, we should have Messick able to pitch again, which is great. But I mean, dear God, that's a lot of baseball to win, and this team's been in reliably inconsistent. Reliably inconsistent. And I think the one thing we're gonna have to put him back to too is that um, like Max and I talked about it. I we haven't heard your opinion on it, so I kind of want to take what's your um thinking on this would you have thrown parker messick in game one against southern miss because i'm I'm, that, always, I'm always at the fact that you want your ace to go not one but go two in case you need him to god that's i can't halt him I, I can't fault him sorry for for that decision going out there and getting a win and putting putting yourself in the winner's bracket is obviously always going to be better than having to go out there and fight for your like every single game if if that had worked out and we'd won yesterday we would have been in such a driver's seat. So That's we could have point. won. I, I would always rather go out there, get the W, get the team feeling good. I probably would have thrown Messick game one, yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's what we know we tend to agree to disagree there. I think it's more like if you look at World Series games, I remember specifically you always want, you know, like I think we had Beck, Josh Beckett go in game two. He pitched down you know, three days rest, you know, for game five, something like that. You, I, I personally would prefer, you know, your ace going number two um, to back up maybe your second rotation starter. So that way, if there is a game seven, I guess this is professional speaking wise, you want your ace, you know, on the map for that game. Well, if he's your ace, you could also throw him in game one so that you can get him again in four and seven. CC Sabathia famously did that for the Brewers, I think it was, in the NLCS. Way back, he threw games one, four, and seven. That's, and a, that's a good point. That's incredible. Mean, throwing on three days rest three times in a row is pretty crazy. But, it, it, I mean, if, if you don't run up their pitch count, if Messi could have, you know, if he can keep his pitch count down, you can throw him on three days rest. I mean, that's a good point. But also, if you remember specifically, because I know we both are avid baseball followers, that era, ECC Sabathia with the Brewers was absolutely absurd. But yeah, let's, you know, I know, let's, you know, shift our focus from, you know, the men's baseball team to the women's softball team, who was utterly dynamite yesterday. For one thing, I don't understand why the NCAA requires women's softball to play a doubleheader in the same game for their elimination games. So literally, we played and beat Arizona, what, at three o'clock? And then we played... Like 11 at night or something, dude. 
they were supposed to play 30 minutes after the, um, I think the UCLA Oklahoma game, right? And then it got rain delayed. And it got rain delayed. And then they had to play. I think the first pitch was like 11:30 or almost midnight, and I didn't get a like a te- like a message that they finished until like 3 a.m. So I don't know Nuts. what the hell the NCAA is doing when they're they're forcing these these girls to play a doubleheader. But anyways, our girls, the cardiac kids, as you know, are coming back alive again. Like we, they won both their elimination games yesterday. They had to play Alabama, which is going to be kind of tough because yep. Montana Fouts for Alabama did just pitch a perfect game, I think, about a few days ago. But I just want to take your thoughts on that. Like, how do you, how do you feel with these girls going to come in with you know Anna Shellnut, Sydney Sherrill, and I think uh, Matos, I think as well, was playing really well yesterday. I think this is. I think this team does have a. I, I don't know specifics, but I know this team does have a culture of winning, and I know that. I know that, they, I mean, they've recently won a championship, so they, they, they know how to get it done. And I hope they do. I don't know what more to say than that. These, I, these girls are great. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right though. I mean, like they've been there before. They remember they won 2018. I think they have three to four girls, you know, from that team specifically, you know, Still Sydney there, right. yeah, exactly. And Shell. I mean, we always keep saying her name and it's always comes down to the fact that their bats always come alive at the most opportune and, you know, times that need to happen. I mean, we didn't win on a bomb yesterday. Not yesterday. Yeah. We yep. won on a sack fly. That small yep. ball to the fulls. That actually, you know, we don't need to get every single run back with one single swing at the bat. That to me yep. is something that, you know, like even pros will look towards. Like that's how you actually play the damn game. Cause, you know, softball and baseball, the only difference is you throw underhand and you're a little closer to the mound. That's about it. The only thing that worries me is, God damn, you got to be so tired playing that late at night after a doubleheader, waking up and having to take on the number three team in the country. As a yeah. consolation, <laughs> I mean, the complete, complete honest, it's kind of, it's kind of bullshit to have to do that, but that's just, you know, my personal opinion. Like, like, that's exhausting. I mean, like, we talk about all the time, like, you know, when pitchers like always have to ice their arms and like take a bunch of aspirin after the game to, you know, like someone be have their shoulder not fall off. I mean, like, my knees, I had to ice them after, you know, one day playing at the game. I had to go the next day. Like, it's, it's a rough, it's a rough sport. Like, you know, for like as much people, they think it's like not your pedestrian, like, it takes a toll on your body, especially if you do it twice in the same day. How impressive would that be, though, to to pull off that doubleheader in uh, an elimination game twice yesterday, play till three thirty or whatever in the morning, wake up and then beat the number three team? How impressive would that be? My God, that probably would have to go up there, I guess, for FSU sports in general. It's probably one of the more impressive feats, I think, regardless of gender. Period. Yeah, that what they're doing, what they did yesterday, deserves uh, attention from ca- even casual. FSU sports fans, you should pay attention to the women's sports like softball and soccer because they're damn good. I mean, they're damn good. They're damn consistent. And you know what's also consistent? Our title sponsor today, rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-run business serving auto park customers for online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. I'll say it before, and I'll say it again. My uncle, Dio Francisco, shout out Delray Beach, Florida, has been a mechanic for over 30 years. And he goes to rockauto.com as his one-stop shop for all the car parts and all parts he needs, whether it be a truck, car, or one of those little slingshots. I see you, Mike Norvell. Might want to head, head, head down to my, uh, my uncle's shop real quick. Rockauto.com is perfect for that fit. So go to rockauto.com and use promo code Locked On and their How Did You Hear About Us section so they know that we sent you. Once again, that promo code is Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, winter green, cinnamon, and pomegranate. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw away your dip, 
and get some Lucy nicotine gum and lozenges today. This is the real deal. A Lucy subscription comes directly to your door each month. It's simple and you don't have to worry about leaving your house because Lucy has delivery down. Locked on college network listeners, if you go to lucy.co and use the promo code locked on college, all one word, you're going to get 20% off of all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. And I do have to read this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code locked on college. Dave, what do you want to talk about next? Because we have a lot to talk about when it comes to FSU sports. Well, there's some uh, there's some good football stuff and there's some curious and sad I guess you could say football stuff uh mostly recruiting and what coach Mikey's doing on the trail Miguelito Dinero I was like to call him down now that I'm living back down in South Florida so do you want to talk about the good first or do you want to talk the bad or do you want to talk of the uh the one that's kind of raising a little bit of eyebrows right now well I'll I'll talk some good first let's get some good vibes going all right uh we have the mega camp going today and there are a lot of kids going to that. I, when I hear that, I think of like mega desk from the office episode for mega some reason. Camp. Yeah. I mean, I thought the same thing. Like have hey, one more afternoon, mega desk. No. <laughs> what I can tell you is I don't think there'll be bounce houses like coach dagger dad. Uh, but I think I, you've seen a lot of attention to this on social media. You've seen a lot of kids talking about it. There's a lot of kids showing up. It's, it seems to be a great recruiting event and God, you got to think we're going to get some kids naming us their leader, if not committing to us after this. No, I agree with that. But I will say the bounce house thing was a brilliant idea because remember yeah. Doke doesn't have Wi-Fi, So what are the little kids going to be doing the entire time? They can't be on iPhones and cell phones, but I digress from that, but you're right about that. The, the mad camp, I think mean, you can see from the pictures, I think Brendan Sano from 2247, I think Noel game has published the same thing where, that there are lines at the gate right now to get in there. And not only that, I think college, college town, you can see, see billboards that are like, Hey, you know, come to mass and social, come over to what's the place that now that used to be Moda. I forgot the name of it. Like some like Mexican restaurant, like they're all like advertising for, you know, everyone that's coming yeah. in the visitors to come in. So not only is it good for the program, low key, Mike is, uh, he's giving his own little stimulus package to the actual, you know, commu- college town community as a whole right there. So we're like, it's great for everybody involved. Yeah, you love to see it. Um, and just to be clear, it is not just like random high school kids coming. There are top 247 kids here. There's ESPN 300 kids here. And we this has happened to us in recent years. We're not going to land all these kids. But again, you got to be able to get them on campus because it talks it talks to how how kids feel about this coaching staff and the direction of the program. And if you see top talent coming in, I got to think eventually you're going to start landing it. I about to say, yeah, like it's more for the vision of how FSU is going to be moving forward, especially under Mike Norvell. That's more what it's pushing. We're, uh, regardless, yeah. you know, it, it gives them the impression like, okay, maybe we're a little more organized. Because I will say under Taggart, there was, remember the the Moore Center was locked. Lanyards yeah. weren't, that was very unorganized. And this one, you kind of see that starting from day one up until the med camp, that everything is by a schedule. Everything has a purpose. We're doing everything, you know, with an intended goal in mind, which is huge. And we haven't had that since probably Jimbo like in 2015 before, you know, he started sort of gave up on the job. So I'm actually, I am very impressed with it. Cause you know, I'm the hardest one on here. I buy his recruiting ability. Yeah. And just remember the dead period just ended and it's been like nonstop. I don't know if Mike Morvell has slept 
since the dead period ended because it seems like there's been something going on every single day at all times. No, did you see the video of him of greeting Julian Armella at the at the Moore Center? The man literally the man sees this kid who Julian Armella is like large human being. He's offensive tackle. I think yes. he's a four star borderline five star. I think he's a legacy kid as well. He has a legacy. And then he walks out of the car, and then you see Magnavos like burst through the door and just screams, "Yeah, he's here." Yep. He's here. I'm like, oh my god! I'm, this man is just geeking out of his mind. Like, what was it? I think it was like 2 a.m. when the kids showed up. Yeah, and that. I mean, God, I really don't know if he slept. He's having some cappuccinos, I think. But that is that. Just uh, speaking of Julian Armella, that is a must land kid, as far as I'm concerned. I I'd love to have Marvin Jones Jr. too. I would call him a must land myself, just because of the legacy pipeline. I don't know that we will. We've talked about that, but Armella, we have to land, especially on the O line. Yeah, I think he's probably to me. I think we we have a good shot landing him. I'm still putting you know Alabama and maybe also Oklahoma in front of the list because he is the caliber of offensive lineman. I think actually we have a better chance at Marvin Jones Jr. right now personally, but I, I'm actually really excited to like to see what exactly transpires from this camp. And that kind of want leads me to how we talked about in between the break, how we haven't heard of anything yet. Does that kind of give you any cause or concern regarding that? I definitely thought we, I mean, it's recruiting is so flippant and unpredictable, but I definitely did think we would see a pretty instant commit from someone after the dead period ended because you've had kids spending days on campus. Uh, You've seen kids. If you go look on like the two, four, seven crystal ball, you see kids naming us their leader or, Mm -hmm. you know, people crystal balling kids to us, but I thought somebody would pull the trigger and I would like to see the apparent momentum become more tangible through a commitment uh, I, it doesn't really mean all that much at the end of the day but i'd really like to see it and i know a lot of fans just get pumped when they see re- commits so i i think it's something we should see soon i mean yeah you kind of hope that we i said a, i think last week several times that june is probably the most important month heading into the season because we really do need to lock down we already have nine commits in the class for comparison yeah. miami only has two it's like a miami and the thing behind that is that we need to at least lock down our sure things that we know we're not be able to keep a hold on regardless of record into the season because we do need to start with the 2023 Kansas probably around the October, November time. That's been the one problem with the Taggart staff and Mark Novell's first transition classes that, you know, we're behind the ball when it comes to recruiting because teams like yeah. the teams that we want to compete with, they're done recruiting their big class around August and September. Right. I mean, like even when you look at a team like Alabama, they don't have that many commits, but like I think they have a pretty good idea uh, of what their class is going to look like, or like their worst case scenario is probably a top three to five class. So like you said, we're be definitely behind the eight ball. We are. And that's why I think the staff is being very creative and they've been, they've been very successful with it. Like, but am I worried about the the lack of, you know, commitments? I don't think worried is the proper term. I think the better term is going to be a little more, it's not disappointed, but we're like, oh, man, I would love to, you know, have, have a little cherry on top of this right now and actually have commits, you know, over this weekend, especially with how everything, you know, we've been built up as, you know, Steve Wolf from 247 said that we're no one's recruiting better than us right now. Josh Pate says that we're probably the number one team in the state right now that actually is recruiting. So it's more maybe that we're we want to have the cherry on top. But I think right now, maybe people wait and see. So you probably might see kids commit with the weeks following. Look, a commit doesn't really mean anything anymore. I- ask max what he thinks about commits i'm sure you'll get a good dissertation but i mean it just builds excitement it's something for people to read articles about and get excited about florida state god we just need that hey man i always tell you all that kid you know kids aren't committed until they sign their nli i told you 
and I've told Max. And I think that kind yeah, of, you know, no, go ahead. They're interested. That's what I would call it. They're interested. Hey, they're interested in their entertaining offers. No big deal. It's a business for them, business for us. And that's how the way it should be. So then Dave, so social media turns out isn't as effective as FAC Twitter thought it was going to be and as effective as I thought it was going to be because I participated in the hashtag. K-Man yes, went to Notre Dame, which technically it did work as K-Man to tally because he will be there September 5th, except he'll be playing for the other team. Dave, yeah. how you feeling? That's look, it's disappointing, but I didn't really expect him to come to Florida State. I don't know why I would expect like a five star all American offensive lineman type to transfer to Florida State right now. Our O line was better, obviously, substantially last year, but that was the first time we've had a good offensive line since what 2013, so eight years. Yeah, that was the first time that we've had a good offensive line since 2014, which is absolutely yeah. absurd. And and look at Notre Dame. I mean, they just put how many guys in the NFL draft three or four on their own line? That's Why wouldn't you go there and develop? I can't blame him for that. I can't either, but I kind of have to. I will egg on my face because I did call from the road while I was driving. I want to say it was Wednesday. I told Max, Max, everything's fine. He's coming into town. Folks, I am sorry. I would, from my sources, from 247, from No Game Day, everyone and their mother was under the assumption that this man was going to come down and play for Ox Atkins. And it sucks that we lost him. I'm a little more mad also, too, because I have a really fire Photoshop that I wanted to share with y'all with K-Men. But now that's going to be dwelling in my trash can folder for the rest of time. And I'm not yeah. salty about it whatsoever. But, no, I can't blame the kid for – he probably did make the better decision if he wants to play and he probably was sold on, he was going to be starting because the one concern with Notre Dame is that they have two true freshmen, four and five star tackles. So he's going to push to the inside and Notre Dame did like Dave just said, sent four kids to the NFL. So I don't fault him for it whatsoever. I probably would have done the same damn thing if I was him. But also like, Hey, Kane, he still got time. You can still come to tally. He met Natalie hashtag. I mean, yeah, he can definitely still come down here. I mean, I don't know if he's taking summer classes yet. It, nothing happens until he's officially enrolled and takes his first class. So, hey, you never know. Mm-hmm. It could be a Fabian Lovett situation because he was supposed to go to Mississippi State and then came down here. So it could be that. But, no, I mean, McCain, you know, hey, listen, you know, if you want to come down to Tallahassee, we're more than welcome with you. Trust me, it's a beautiful time. Almost as beautiful time as the summer is around the corner. And for summer, I'll be celebrating with a nice, delicious Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the... The protein bar, the most delicious protein bar. That's right. I'm saying before I said it again with nine delicious flavors. I am a big cherry barcia guy. Max is a peanut butter brownie guy. Dave, I've been hearing that you're more of the salted caramel, maybe a raspberry guy. What's your what's your favorite flavor? I'm not a big fan of like raspberry flavor in general. Give me a salted caramel any day of the week. Pretty much on anything, ice cream, go far, whatever it is. Oh, yeah, no. And trust me, all the boys here have been, you know, chumming down the billboards because summer is right around the corner. Got to get our beach bodies ready. And me being down South Florida, trust me, I'm going to be hitting the beach as much as I can. So head over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you get 15%, 15% for those of you that know my English is not that great, a percent off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-1-5 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. It's summer season, baby. Let's get to it. Oh, man, I'm going to drive a bill bar after that ad read, Dave. But let's get back to, you know, continuing. I know we started off on a really, you know, somber note with the baseball team. Had a little bit of high with the softball team as well as the mega camp. And now we're kind of trending down a little bit with Kane Madden. 
And I think we kind of have to talk about the thing that's been on everyone's mind, and that is the decommitment of Nico Marchio out of Arizona. I think we all kind of had a feeling that this was going to happen after he kind of went radio silent because he was the one that was not the bell cow of the class, that's Travis Hunter, but he was commenting on everyone's thing of, you know, come to Florida State. So, Dave, how what do you make of this exactly? Well, we've talked about this at length in our group chat, and it has to be a case of getting scared off by the competition, right? Because he was not the highest rated quarterback in our class all of a sudden. And I think it's really tough to keep two kids of that caliber committed with Duffy and Markiel. And I don't know what the coaches told Duffy in terms of, hey, come, you're going to be the starter. I can't imagine they would have said that and Nico have heard that, but I am not a huge fan of when a kid is not just committed, but like actively daily campaigning uh, to bring kids to Florida state. And then like all of a sudden we do, we bring in another kid to help the class, to help the program. I know it's at the same position and it's competition, but we're doing another good thing for the school by bringing in AJ Duffy and then instantly reverse course. I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's fair. Um, to me, it's more the fact that look, if you ever have two highly committed kids in the same position, if it's like a position like quarterback, this isn't DB where you're gonna both play on the same field at the same time. That's why you have Travis Hunter and Sam McCall. Like, I don't see an issue being with two of them for playing time. Wide receivers, the same thing. That's why you don't in the tackles. You have you know bookends with QB. The moment I think AJ Duffy did commit, he probably was the last time we saw Nico Markiel like in this class, and that to me is more that is he afraid of competition. I'm not going to say that. I think part of it definitely could play a role in it, but I also think that it's not, he now doesn't have, he probably has a better shot at starting immediately somewhere else. And I do think that's why you saw with, he was going to Arizona state this past weekend when midnight mass was going on. He's supposed to be going to Michigan state the following week, which we both know both those places, Jaden Daniels leaving Arizona state, Michigan state's quarterback is Rocky Lombardi, who is not particularly good. So those are better situations if he wants to play immediately. So that's kind of how my, that's my feeling with that. And is he scared? I mean, scared of competition. I mean, yeah, you can say that a little bit. You can definitely say that, but I think also like, shouldn't it be a way that Mike Norvell is able to like, kind of also tell these kids that you're going to be competing with each other and also to kind of, kind of like hold that, like not hold his word for it, but is there a way that Mike Norvell is able to sell it to both of them, make sure that they both stay with the class. Look at the, look at the spring game. He gave all of those quarterbacks a lot of opportunity to go out there and make plays. I mean, they, I think Tate Rodemaker had the most time out there, right? I think he took the most snaps in that spring game. So I don't think he's given off any indication that he's not going to give kids a chance to compete and let the better man win, right? The good news is there was recently a time when I thought Nico Marchial was the best quarterback we were going to get in this class and that he was better than AJ Duffy. And then you told me to watch the highlights. I did. And then I did. And A.J. Duffy, for those that are worried after Nico decommitting, A.J. Duffy is definitely the better quarterback. He has a stronger and more accurate arm. He's a righty, which sounds inconsequential, but that matters. You don't see many lefties have success, and you do have to change certain things about the offense. And I think he may even be more mobile, A.J. Duffy. Yeah, I saw a play the other day where he did a run like a really nice RPO and almost a similar play that Jordan Travis runs, I think, in the Duke game that um, that he does really, really well and he's quicker. And also, 
for those who remember, I think Nico Marky actually did either hurt, he did suffer an injury last year, and we he hasn't played in a while. His sophomore year, sorry, his junior year wasn't particularly that um impressive. And to but to me, the thing is with Norvell with that, it's I mean, he did get the plant on Tate Rodemaker, but I think that's more the fact that you know Tate Rodemaker, like I don't want I don't want Mackenzie Milne or Jordan Travis to get hurt by playing too much. We saw with Chubba the year before, like during actual yeah. on-time practices, and I think he's learned a lesson from that. Sure. But part of Norvell's job also you gotta remember is to make sure that the kid, you know, hey, listen, like just, you still have an equal shot with that. And I know these kids are 18, so I know their maturity level isn't, you know, the same level, you know, as most adults, even though I for pretty sure I have an 18-year-old mentality. You don't, <laughs> you, you don't, you need to assuage the concerns of these kids that you have an equal opportunity to start and play, you know, from day one. Cause that's basically you get into head coaching for college football to coach and develop and, you know, help these kids from eight, from the age of 18 to 22 or 23, whenever they leave to like to mature that way. Yeah. It, I guess it's just a little concerning to me to go into next year with one quarterback committed, considering Casey's going to be one and done. So that just, that leads me to the question for you of, are we going to plan to replace Nico Marquial with any quarterback in this class, or are we just going to wing it with AJ? If you look at the committee, like typically quarterback commits are really like they commit really early. You don't really see late flips unless you can't hold on to a quarterback like Luke Altmaier last year or Sam Howell with Tiger before. And yeah. the only kid I see right now that's kind of available is like, it's someone like that's Tate Rodemaker-esque, like not highly ranked. Maybe more in there, do you know, to just to provide depth. I don't see us grabbing another quarterback right now. I think maybe we shift our focus to the 2023 class. There's a lot of kids that are there. Maybe maybe we grab two there with Avery Johnson from Kansas. I saw someone's house today. He actually is he's a pretty damn good baller on at football and also on the hardwood. I'll send you the clip later, Dave, of him dunking, absolutely yamming on his pork on a poster. It's awesome. Ooh, and I like think that. and the kid I sent you today, I think, I think Tyler Jefferson's his name. He's the big kid from Fort Worth. He might be another kid. I think he's in the 2023 class. He might be 2022. If that's the case, he might actually commit and be the second QB because I think you're right that it's really important that you grab two because KZ is not going to be here next year. Jordan Travis, I love the kid, but I think he needs to develop this year under KZ because he will be the starter next year. So that to me is very important. And I don't think Rod Maker is going to be here much longer. I'm pretty sure that kid's going to transfer out, kind of like how we've been saying, like a, like a Jacob Coker-esque kind yeah. of you know, deal. And Chubba, we still don't know. I like Chubba a lot, but he needs to he needs to grow, he needs to develop, he needs to be able to make it stay healthy. And we don't know what we have with that. So right now, we really only have three QBs. Yeah, and all three QBs, taking AJ Duffy out of the equation, all three QBs on our depth chart for this coming year have injury issues, have had injury issues. Then when KZ's on, our two deep, Jordan Travis and Chubba, presumably, have injury issues. So, yeah, I would like some warm bodies on – the sideline that are capable of throwing a football in case everyone gets injured. Yeah, I mean that's all. I mean that's also you know doomsday worst case scenario. An offensive line should be better, especially with the trans- transferring of Dylan Gibbons. Hopefully, you grab another one from the portal. If it might not be Cam Madden, it might be you know Mike Nowitzki from Buffalo, or it could be I forgot his name from from uh, Montana State, Connor Wood. So that will definitely be two kids to look out for to see if they do commit and come in for depth. And hopefully, we maybe we might see the emergence of you know a Dante Lucas or a Darius Washington to see what they actually you know bring to the table as well because they definitely have the talent to play really really well. But I mean, we just need buys out there, man. And right now, I we need more. I thought that's that's about it. I would like to see another dual threat quarterback, uh, an athletic kind of quarterback, because Jordan Travis is going to be here for 
I, I guess, a couple more years. But I'd still like to have somebody in the system in the pipeline, even if at first he's just helping out on the practice squad or whatever, just helping prep for games. I would like to have another dual threat body. Like John guys. Yeah, I mean, something like that. Yeah, I mean, those guys tend to be injury prone, so it's good to have more than one. And I, I think that can add a dynamic level to Mike Norvell's offense if a kid like that ended up winning out on winning the job. Yeah, and that goes, and that also goes to the point where, like, what, well, you know, like getting your QB committed early is great and all, but also if they do end up decommitting, you lose out kids that are like that. Because I know Dave was a big fan yeah. of MJ Morris, who was a dual was. Threat, was a dual threat quarterback, and he just committed to, over to NC State. And you know, you know, good luck to him over the Wolfpack. I don't think he's going to be that great over there, but because I don't trust NC State whatsoever to do anything. But that goes to show you with recruiting, it's a fickle thing. It's a very, very you need to play good, and then when you have your kid, you need to lock them down as much as you can possibly. Yeah, and if you are a dual threat quarterback, I would think that Mike Norvell's offense would be attractive to you because last year he came in and he had Jordan Travis available and he utilized his athleticism. He let him do what he did well rather than trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and making him be a pocket passer. So if you're a dual threat kid, you've got to appreciate that Mike Norvell runs an adaptable offense that he will, I guess, conform to the skill set of the guy under center. Yeah, and I think Mike Norvell will definitely find the kid that fits for him and fits his offense. Because one thing I have noticed with these videos, he's very – I said it before I said it again, that him in person is a lot different than him over Zoom or Skype. He's a very infectious, very charismatic, and only that he's a very passionate attitude and cares about these kids, not only on the field but off the field. Like, if you want to be a better person, you better man, you definitely do go to Mike Norvell. I'm very excited for the dead period being finally lifted, and we have official visits you know, coming up in the following weeks. I think June, July is going to be huge for us commitment-wise. We may not get one, you know, this weekend. We want it as soon as possible, guys. I know, but be patient. Room wasn't built in a day, and we won't get back to where we want to be in a day. So, Yeah, but good things ahead. From where we came from, I think we hit rock bottom. So sky's the limit from here. It can't really get worse. Don't, 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 don't say that. Now you're going to ha- – you have the out in the, you have the energy out in the air. I don't want to think about, think about us getting any worse. <laughs> All right, you know what? Screw it. Elite Live, we're winning uh, 12 games this year, and uh, KZ for Heisman. Uh, that's the Dave I know and love. Dave, you got anything else to say before we head out? Go softball. Uh, go baseball. Hopefully one or both of them can move on. It'd be really exciting to win a softball championship, and I think after what you saw yesterday, the girls are capable. And with that being said, guys, that's another edition of Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Drake, and I've been joined by the one and only Mr. David Vise. Please, if you can, don't forget to rate, review, like, share, or subscribe, or follow, depending on where you are, at either Owl Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. Once again, this is Drake with Dave. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Go Knowles.